0: Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe.
1: I'm Andrew McElwain, and I'm the Managing Director of Investigator Resources. Investigator is an ASX listed company uh, with all of its interests in Australia and predominant focus is the Paris Silver project, which is located in South Australia. The Paris Silver project has advanced from a greenfields discovery through to, in fact, last week we released an updated resource, 53 million ounces of silver in the ground. And we're, with that resource, we're progressing through to completion of the pre-feasibility study.
0: Andrew, good to see you. You haven't been on the show since January. What have you been up to?
1: Well, Matt, uh, great to be back on and thank you. And uh, it's great to have the opportunity to uh, present this the investigative story to your listeners. Um, I suppose we did all the hard work on the ground last year with a huge drill program. We uh, drilled more metres than any other company in South Australia in 2020. And uh, this year has been pulling that data together. So uh, with all of that drill assay uh, results, we've put together a new or an updated resource estimate for the Paris Silver Project, which is our primary asset, as I mentioned. Uh, 53 million ounces of silver in the ground. Today's uh, silver price, it's about $1.8 billion worth of silver in Australian dollars in the ground. Um, highest grade silver project in Australia. And uh, in an area, and I suppose I always try and point out to people now, if you uh, screen behind me, is uh, Central South Australia will displace some wild goats, and that's about it when we develop the project.
0: What a nice. And uh, I can't actually see any behind you, can I?
1: Oh, the. the <laughs> No, that's my ear. Okay. Hey, well,
0: look, um, look Thanks for coming back on the show. Like I said, it's been it's been a while, but I'm sort of intrigued by what you what you've been doing since we spoke in in January. Because I I noticed that you've gone from 43 million ounces to 53 million ounces, from 1.5 billion to 1.8 billion of silver in the ground. But so what? It's like, why, why did you go through that process? How much money have you spent doing it? And you know, what what's the upside to your shareholders?
1: Uh, look, we, uh, we spent uh, a couple of million dollars with the drill program and the technical work and we added three or four hundred million dollars worth in ground value. So our return is not bad. The other thing that we really did focus on, and we only drilled within the known footprint, and the primary objective was in fact to improve the confidence of the geological resource technical terms, we've moved a lot of the material which sat in the lower confidence area, which is called inferred. We moved that into indicated, and 75% of our resource now sits indicated. Um, One of the things and the restrictions in being able to quote resources and reserves is that you cannot start a mine plan and a reserve on anything but indicated and above. So the majority of our material is in that confidence category. It's also given us the confidence that uh, the grade is there and and consistent. Be a
0: sustainable uh, project going forward. Okay, so you're about to um, deliver a PFS in th- this quarter, um, I-, I suspect. Is that right? That's what I've heard. That's right, yes. Okay, so um, that's, obvious, that's obviously something that this market is expecting, and you've, delivered. you've been doing some drilling, you've done the updated resource, and you're going to deliver the PFS. Fantastic. Where do you take this thing through to? Is PFs enough to get someone else to kind of come in with, with the big bucks, or are you going to be able to um, go out and uh, you know move this through to so feasibility? So, Because hundred million Aussie market cap with one point eight billion um, you know silver in the ground, it doesn't seem anyone's paying attention.
1: Look, it is, uh, and the Australian market, as you know very well, is spoiled for choice in the precious metal space. There's three hundred and seven gold companies to choose from. There's three uh, silver companies. So keep saying we're the highest grade of those. Um, we're a great investment from the perspective you want to have exposure to the silver think about investigative and go and look at our share price and match it against the silver price we match it on a daily basis. So you want silver exposure you're going to get it in spades from us. The uh, If you'd asked me the same question 12 months ago we had a market cap of 10 million and the CapEx is of the order of 120. That was a big reach for us. Um, our market cap today is over 100 million so You know, that capital chunk is is something we can bite off and chew. How we finance that and decide to going forward is obviously going to be uh, subject to much discussion later, but it's achievable for us now. Um, The work we're doing, it's all that sort of fascinating, boring behind the scenes stuff we're out for, budget pricing on all the equipment, the design for the plant's been done. Uh, And probably overlooked one of the things that we did do uh, earlier this year and late last year was metallurgical test work. There was a component of the Paris resource that had poorer recovery. Um, And we said, gee, if there's a real lift for this project, it's to be able to shift what was nearly 50% of the resource from a lower recovery to a higher recovery. So set the team an objective, give me another 5% out of this or go home. And uh, we did announce that we shifted the recoveries of that component from 65 to 72%. So, again, a, a really good, and that, you know, the, the money that was spent on that was, uh, you know, a great investment to be able to improve that recoveries.
0: So, but some but of this, I mean, are you the guys to take this thing forward, is what I'm asking? Because there's not many silver companies in Australia. It's gold, 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 right? Gold or go home. So, do you have conversations with, More established silver companies and say, well, look, we've there's a lot of silver here. Maybe you're the people with your balance sheet to take this thing forward, and then you focus on some of the other projects that you've got going on in Southern Australia and Tasmania.
1: Sure, look, I'm whilst I'm a mining engineer by trade, I've built a few projects around the world, so I'm not not uh, going to shy away. I'm not afraid of actually you know groundbreaking work and getting getting through that which is generally a tough part of the uh, process to finance and deliver and, or commission and deliver uh, an outcome. Interestingly, the recovery process, while the sort of washing machine part of it's all a little bit the same, and we actually use cyanide in the recovery process. We pour silver ingots, so it's yeah same as gold, use cyanide pour, pour uh, ingots, so um, which will be great for us because it's a really simple transporting issue rather than having to sell a concentrate. Um, The other side of it is um, it's interesting, and I started last year trying to get some North American interest to the project. Uh, I was in Vancouver in February, got home just ahead of COVID and haven't been able to go back. So uh, we are, in fact, looking at going down the path of an OTC listing so that we can get North American trade more easily and get our exposure into the States. Um, There's a couple of key uh, shareholders who we would bring on board. You You can understand who they might be. I won't name them. But uh, you know that's that's what part of my objective is—is is to get uh, you know, one of the prominent uh, precious metals resource investors into in, in investigating. You can name whether them. we're it's a takeover fine. target. Like,
0: you, you, no, you can name them. It's fine. I don't mind. Like, like, like who? Yeah. What sort of person? Uh,
1: no, look, I'll keep well, They might they might uh, be shy shy away. But uh, but uh, look, the as, as are we a takeover target? Well, I'd like to think that somebody sees us as undervalued because I consider we are. Um, we will probably rise to some prominence when we get our PFS out and we'll be able to say, well, here's the project's returns and it's a very modest capital. Um, but as I said, it's, it's another live part of the investment community in Australia. Not many people seek out Silver investment in Australia.
0: But, that, but that's my point. That's why I'm kind of pushing you hard on this point is, you know, you need someone else maybe who does have a higher profile in Silver or a bigger balance sheet, because it's not an insignificant resource you've got there, right? So you've done a lot of the heavy lifting. When the PFS comes out, I guess we'll you know, confirm you know, how how accurate your PEA was, or sorry, your your your, your scoping study was, right? So you, it must be a consideration when you're looking at what you've done so far and looking at your market cap. You're used to doing formats. You've got some of the other projects formed out, people are doing an earn-in on those things. You're used to doing deals. Is it a consideration with your flagship project that you do do this?
1: Oh, look, without doubt. Now, a major shareholder is UK-based uh, Precious Metal Fund Jupiter. They have nearly fifteen percent of us. Uh, they, uh, for instance, are a major shareholder in First Majestic, who was a silver sort of producer in South America. Now, um, you know, I'm not going to preempt what conversations might happen in the future, but there's some logic and synergy. How that might pan out? Um, anything could happen. Um, and, and look, it's not a throwaway line, but it's ultimately going to be what's the best value for shareholders, some of whom have been around for a fair while. Um, so, uh, those that ring me up and say, I bought in at 30 cents, I said, well, we've still got a little bit of work to do to get your money back. So,
0: so, when we spoke in January, you'd about 14 million bucks. You spent two of that, so presumably you've got 12 million bucks, actually. You're not short of cash. But at the same time, I'm quite questioning. Why were you only spending two million bucks in terms of advancing the project? Was that as much as you needed to spend or you couldn't spend it? I mean what, what was you thinking?
1: Yeah, look, uh, no, as as much as we wanted to spend, not forgetting that we started this process uh, in July last year when we did that capital raising and uh, and the silver price had run in front of us, which has been great. So uh, we bit off a, a sizable or a manageable chunk, what we wanted to do was improve the confidence of the resource and then said, We've now shifted 75% of that into indicator, which allows us to take the next logical step to mine planning and optimisation. Um, we're back now, in fact, we're back drilling again around the Paris project. So, whilst the 2020 drill program was just around the footprint, we're now actually stepping out, particularly in areas where the drilling didn't complete or didn't close optimisation. Um, and we had seven targets regionally within five kilometres that had some snips of silver and gold and lead, and we drilled some drilled seven last year. We're back. Uh, we started last week drilling four of those. So, having some confidence to go to, back to seven, four of seven targets is a pretty good hit rate. Um, you know whether they'll end up turning into something that will be complementing Paris. Uh, that's what we're looking for: is additional mine life surrounding Paris.
0: Okay, so you're doing some drilling extension on on Paris, again, it. But it, it's that's kind of it's already of a size. Which is big enough, right? It's it's big enough. It can it can be bigger, but the point is, it's enough to get you going. So you don't want to you don't want to spend too much more money, too too much money uh, on that going forward. Is that is that what you're saying?
1: Uh, look, uh, absolutely. We we don't need to invest any more to get to the next uh, right. investment decision for the project. So cool. okay. Um,
0: just want to understand the the speed and rate at which you're sure. spending money, and you know, so just okay, that's fine. Um, can we talk about some of the other projects? Some of the, we, we've discussed these in the past. You've got you know other projects in southern Australia, you also in Tasmania too, and you've also got uh, you know, a, um, uh, DGR, you, know, f- you know, with the format situation there. Can you give us an update on all of that?
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, we, we have, uh, and I suppose DGO is, uh, that earning from them is probably the first one I'd like to talk about. In the Stuart Shelf, uh, which is within the Olympic Dam uh, inlayer, um, we have a, a, pa- a package of tenements there which were adjacent to DGO's tenements. Uh, we did drill them in the past looking for very deep, and they <laughs> were very deep IOGCs, um, iron oxide, copper gold uh, projects. Um, DTO have got a different uh, approach or a different thematic in that area, and they are looking for sedimentary hosted copper, which is like the Zambian style, Zambian belt style copper deposits. So we've allowed them to earn into our tenements. There's quite a large contiguous package of tenements there. They've undertaken the first drill program, put some results out, some encouraging copper intersections. And they're embarking, I think there's another 90 holes in the next program. So there's a big drill program for them looking for copper in that, uh, you know, it's close to Emmy Bluff, which was a, a great discovery with uh, Coda more recently. Uh, so it's a bit of Scottish background, happy to have other people spend money earning into our tenements. Um And, uh, but what we also have is certainly enough cash that allows us to do other regional work. And we've got some tenements we call, you know, Morgan's Harris Bluff, which are a contiguous package of tenements to the east of Paris. Uh, some early stage silver lead, um, exploration results there. We expect, uh, this quarter we'll be back and, and able to do some drilling. We've done some preliminary work. We've done soil sampling, all those good things. Uh, We have a small area that uh, we're working through Native Tidal Clearance for, and we have quite a large program planned for the second half of this year. So, um, reasonably early stage, um, 15 to 20 kilometres away from Paris, uh, but really interesting ground. Tasmania has been a challenge for us to get to uh, during COVID, but ironically, it opened up as a tourist opportunity uh, for Australians who weren't able to get to Aspen to go skiing or something else and it's very hard to hire a car in Tasmania. It's one of the really simple practical issues of being able to do some work there. sounds a little odd, but uh, we'll be down there in August, um, probably the coldest, wettest part of the year in the west coast of Tasmania, and starting some work on the ground there adjacent to the MMG's Rosebery Project and, uh, and the gold Goldmine. Great country. Uh, it's it's wild, wild west of the country, but uh, very hard to explore. But uh, you know we're uh, going to roll up their sleeves and start on that this year as well.
0: So uh, remind me of the deal with with regards to the copper, the format with G- DGR, because obviously copper prices, you know, you know, near, at or near all time highs. So what's the, what's the structure of that? They're obviously earning in, but uh, what does it mean for you in terms of cash in or shares or?
1: Sure. So um, a three part or a three stage earning. Uh, There was a minimum expenditure of uh, 350,000, which they clipped off very quickly. Gave us notice that they were going to step into the second stage, which is three million in two years, and then a third stage of another three and a half million in the next two years. So six and a half million over four and a half years. They said they've spent about five or six hundred thousand of that to date. Um, The we end up or they end up earning 65% of the project uh, first, and then another. Twenty-five or fifteen percent on top of that, so they earn up to eighty percent, spending six and a half million dollars. We're free carried through that. There's normal commercial terms about what happens with the balance of the twenty, whether we do contribute or dilute. But uh, you know, what a great position to be in to have you know a, an option over twenty percent of what might be a great profit project.
0: Okay, interesting. And and so the, I know they're doing a lot of drilling there, but again, what, what's what's your expectation on timing for all of that? Because are they going to are they going to get wrapped? Work their way through that quicker than the allotted time frame because these things are just drag on and on. You know, they, but in a bull market, uh, it's slightly, if you, slightly um, if easier. You,
1: yeah, if, look, if you look at the, um, and I talk about the personality of DGO itself, but if you have a look at the individuals, and Ed Esch's is the uh, the MD of, of uh, DGO, very, very accomplished and and uh, and uh, experienced explorer. Uh, they're very early into the grey, as well as an investor, you know, very savvy, uh, plenty of cash. There's not going to be any restriction for them to complete that drilling, and as uh, I think they're planning another 90 holes in the next program, which is a, uh, you know, a big lift in the total meters that they've drilled. So, um, look, they'll they'll won't be it won't be an issue of waiting four years. They'll uh, have that program if they really get the tiger by the tail have that earning done, I would imagine, within 2-years. Okay. Again, I'm
0: asking these questions because quite often when companies, and we've had loads on the show that do these kind of farm situations, like people are doing an earn they've got the speed at which they spend the money, um, it, it, it does it does kind of take a while for any value for that money being spent to be attributed to your company, right? And so right now, do you think there's any value attributed to you for that Copper project?
1: Look, I expect not. Uh, there was a bit of sort of social media noise about when the when the results are going to come from that DGO drilling. But look, I expect not. And you're quite right. In in farming out, you lose control of the pace at which the news flow uh, is delivered. Um, as I've, I've known Ed for many years, and uh, you know we've we have a program where there won't be any issue about them spending. If they, as I said, if they get a sniff of something, there won't be any issue about them spending the money in the in the time frame. Um, it'll be, in fact, us trying to keep up with how rapidly they're uh, generating news.
0: Okay, right. Okay, so right. Okay, we we we've talked about. Okay, you've you've done an update on the resource, the pre fees coming out this quarter. What 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 are we looking out for here? So, why are things going to start moving? Because your share price is the same as it was when we spoke in in, in January. So, what have we got to look forward to?
1: Sure. Look, and and just to uh, you know, to be uh, to be quite open about it, our share price has come off a little in the last uh, week or so, and that's in response to what people tell me was, in fact, a uh, a book that was being run on hot copper about what our resource update was going to be and how what how many tens and hundreds of percent we were going to in- increase our, uh, our resource by. Um, <laughs> interesting, people uh, got that he- head of steam up, but. Um, as I said, the, the thing for us is we delivered the confidence up, uplift and what we needed. We didn't end up doubling the number of rounds um, and I think. Well, sorry, was
0: that ever was that ever a possibility?
1: No, no, um, Honestly, not in my mind. If,
0: if you're making investment decisions based on conversations in Hot Cop or any of these other chat rooms, I think you need a good long hard talk to yourself, generally as an investor, right? Because it's it's I think e- extremist commentary like sure. that. Is. So look, uh, as I said,
1: I was, I was told by somebody that that was happening. As a managing director, if you refer to hot copper, it would do your heading. So yes, uh, I, I don't look, I don't take any notice, but somebody was telling me that there was a book being run about uh, about the uh, uplift. But look, uh, so in some respects, for some of those outliers, we're probably disappointed. But for what we wanted to deliver, it's um, so over a period of time we wanted to improve the metallurgical recovery, we've done that. We wanted to improve our confidence uh, in the resource, and we've shifted, as I said, 75% of the material into indicated. We uh, are on the path to complete the feasibility study. So um, that's what I committed to when I raised eight million dollars last year. Tick, tick, tick. So we're, you know, uh, we're delivering on those things. Um, could we always do it faster? Well, we'd like to, but practically, uh, it's hard getting uh, you know, the the Assay labs are wrapped They've gone from four week turnaround to eight and ten week turnarounds with assays and things like that. So, the capacity of the of the service providers is also limited now in, in the industry. But that's it. Now,
0: okay. Can we? Do you mind if we talk about this for a second? Because it kind of slightly sort of because there's a, there's a very good, honest, hardworking retail people who get a little bit blinded by some sensationalist type statements in these chat rooms right? And I want to understand what what you and your team wanted, wanted to do, and what was always on the cards, and what was not always on the cards. So, you know, you've done some infill work, um, and you've uh, you've taken some of the inferred into indicated, right? You did, you, yes. What and it was. As much as you expected to come in, I mean it's a lot—seventy-five percent you're talking about now in, in, sure, in
1: the country. Probably a little more than we had anticipated. Right. Okay. Perfect. But that's my point—that
0: yeah. you know you were doing and you met your expectation, or slightly exceeded your expectation. But doubling was never part of the the, the mission here because you weren't going to go and blast ten million bucks on infill. You didn't need to. Is that is that right?
1: Absolutely. And one of the other things that we wanted to try and achieve out of this was a mine life of 10 years. Um, Magic number in some respects. Uh, And previously, we were sort of vacillating about six or seven or eight, you know, that sort of number of years. But a plus 10 year mine life gives you a raft of other opportunities. Financing is far easier because um, traditional banks and financiers will want to look for a mine life in excess of that. They don't want to be involved in a two or three year one shot wonder. that's part the other thing is and, and I continue to refer to the landscape behind me which is you know, uninhabited un, and it's a little bit like Gilligan's Island, no water, no power. We, we know where the water is, but we only actually have to bring power in in one of three different forms. It's either going to come with a power line, 70 kilometer power line. It's either going to come from diesel-fired power station or it'll come from renewables. A 10-year mine life gives us an opportunity to look at putting a solar farm in, uh, or a hybrid type power solution, which uh, has the potential to halve our power costs. So, another thing we were looking for was a longer mine life to give us some flexibility to look at some infrastructure options. Where if we were in and out in six years, it was diesel only, you know, quarter of a million liters of fuel a week type thing. So, uh, I expect we'll have a hybrid power solution out here. Um, not enough wind to warrant it, but there certainly will be some solar installed.
0: okay, I got it. Thank you. Look, you run a good solid company with good solid ambitions and you delivered what you said you're gonna deliver. I like that. What I don't like is the the some of the commentary in your form or, or or with other companies where people have made money off the back of other retail by pumping the stock or pump you know pumping the Possibility of you doubling your resource, selling out down to people who who believe that story, and this thing has come off. So you know, everyone everyone gets affected by those sorts of individuals. So anyone watching this, but not just about this company, which is a well-run company, but any other companies where you see this kind of sensational uh, type statements about what isn't going to happen by people who are not qualified to do that, please ignore. That's my recommendation to you. I think you know a lot of people have lost some money there. Um, Andrew. Thank you very much for today. I'm glad things are going well. Um, you know, glad you've been smart about the, you know the way you spend your money and just moving this thing forwards through to PFS. I look forward to seeing those numbers when they come through.
1: Look, Matt. Look, thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, I really enjoy the the conversation and the opportunity to present our story. Uh, we'll have the PFS completed. We'll probably be back by then. Um, I'll just maybe finish. My father, who was a sage, wise man, told me stay away from the charlatans and. Uh, at 10%, you might be able to eat better, but 5% you can sleep better. And uh, I said, some of the people I hear about, and I said, I don't ever profess to log on and look at social media or, uh, claptrap that's going on, but yeah, they're talking their own book.
0: Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn.